DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to talk with our basketball insider, Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning. Gonzaga, UCLA. Tell me the last time you saw a better game. Oh, my goodness. Uh, never in the NCAA tournament that I can remember, ever. Uh, maybe if Gordon Hayward had made that three-quarter shot for Butler, that might have capped it. But, uh, no, it was It was phenomenal. And uh, and obviously, I'm, I'm I'm pulling for the Zags just just because of Mark Few and because of the connections to the WCC and everything else. But uh, it was uh, it was hard not to to pull for UCLA and, and Johnny Juzang. He's usually a household name. I don't know if he goes out or he stays or whatever the circumstances. But uh, Kentucky must be killing themselves. I don't know why he left Kentucky, but uh, he's a very special guy, man. Incredible game. What do you think that other teams can pull from Gonzaga in terms of elevating their program in the WCC or even really in the West, whoever it might be? You know, I mean, it, it starts with recruiting and 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 finding guys that uh, you know the little and maybe maybe it might just be the transfer portal that helps programs elevate. I mean, there's some great coaches in the WCC, but. It's it's not a destination for a lot of guys around the country, and uh, but now with the transfer portal not having to sit out, uh, I think you've got to have a keen eye on that. Uh, obviously, Coach Few has done this the right way for a long time, and uh, you know they're as good as anybody in the country. Obviously, pretty much year in and year out, and they've established something that's not easy to do in a small community like that. But he has and. You know, he's had great assistance. He's been, I think the real key is he's been able to recruit internationally and find a niche there and get connections with, uh, you know, people around the world. And, uh, and that's really what's allowed them. I mean, their international connections and the players they brought in, you know, they're not four-year guys necessarily. But between that and then, uh, you know, developing players like they do, uh, they've got a pretty special thing going on. So, I think the international connection has been a big, big part of it because um, I, I don't remember the one assistant coach's name, but uh, I know they've they had a couple of assistants over the years that have really, really helped them uh, elevate their program, much like Australia did for St. Mary's for so many years as well in the conference. But, uh, you know, between St. Mary's, BYU, who has connections worldwide and, and, and obviously has a more unique situation, everybody else has just kind of been up and down. And uh, so I think it starts with recruiting. I, I think there's coaching styles and techniques and the way people do things. But it's about players. You have to have players year in and year out that buy into that culture. And, you know, I, 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 I listen to Mark Few talk about joy a lot. And, and obviously it's easier to talk about joy when you're winning. But, you know, he's just talking about his great team chemistry. And it's not that easy to bring guys in for a year or two and get people to buy in. You got to have a special staff to do that, and great support system. So, uh, congratulations to them, and uh, and you know to Baylor, and that'll that'll be an interesting matchup tonight. You know, obviously, I don't know Jalen Suggs, and I haven't interviewed him, but it does seem like if you're trying to get chemistry, and you've had a group that's been together and been successful, to bring in a really talented one and done is tricky. And I'm sure the coaches deserve some credit. But Suggs seems to have the personality. He's kind of in all shucks mode in the post game. He doesn't talk about himself a lot unless he's asked directly about himself. Um, 
you know, Timmy's been there a while, and so I think everybody kind of rolls with his antics. Personally, he kind of grates on me with the whole stash nonsense, blowing kisses of the crowd, whatever junk he's doing after a dunk. But it, it seems that the coaching staff kind of rolls with these individual personalities because these guys do seem to be at different places on the spectrum. They, they are, and because they come from all over the world. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, they've all had different experiences, and Timmy's experiences growing up were different than Suggs. And, and so you, you have to give a great deal of credit to, to the coaching staff for the chemistry that they do have. But with Suggs, you know, I, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I don't know a lot about him. I've watched him play six or seven times. Um, but he, you know, he seems to relish the moment, and he's still like, you know, he's still a young kid. And obviously he's going to be, you know, one of the first two or three picks in the, in the draft. Uh, but I think that the, the reason that that works is because there is an established program there. Uh, I mean, Kispert is a guy that's been in that program for four or five years. You have leadership in, in kind of player-led teams that, that Gonzaga has had. And it's one thing for a coach to try to do that on their own, but it's way more successful when internally your players lead teams. And so for a young phenom freshman who knows he's probably only going to be there for a year, uh, they got one thing in mind, and that's winning a national championship. And so uh, I don't, again, the dynamics of that team, but I would just take Kispert, somebody that's been in that program for a long time. He sits down with the Suggs and says, hey, we got a chance to win a national championship here. This is how we do things here. So most great teams that I've seen, they get, yeah, they've had great leadership at the top and staffs. But internally, player-led teams usually – uh, do special things, and, you know. Whether for for some programs it might just be winning a conference championship, for others it's a national championship. So uh, I, I see those differences, but I think there's not only do you got to give great, great credit to the leadership of the coaching staff, but internally players they they make a big difference. They make the most difference, to be honest with you. I mean, great teams usually have great leaders within themselves, and I'm not talking about the coaches. I'm talking about players, and I think. Gonzaga's had that year in and year out. They just had that chemistry, and uh, it works. It works for them, and then they continue to get really good players. I think under their circumstances, the fact that they do not have football, they can just pour a ton of energy and resources into basketball has benefited them. Yeah, it has. And, and I think you hear Mark talk about the president. You hear him talk about the athletic director – you know, in, in terms of they know they've got something pretty special. And uh, it's a unique environment. I don't know. They have seven, 8,000 people in their little arena. I've been in there a few times. And uh, so, no, that's what they are. They know who they are. And you're right. they got all the resources in the world to put into that program where others are having to divvy that up. And let's face it, you get into the WCC and the Mountain West, and, I mean, everybody's really, really hurting. Financially, I mean, I, I just that talking to friends and talking to coaches and administrators, it is a big time struggle. I, I don't think it's a big time struggle uh, at Gonzaga. You know, they've got it's a private school. Uh, it's it's something that they know who they are, and that basketball program kind of drives it. And you know, it, it's not easy for anybody during the COVID, but uh, this has been a long term relationship with administration and that coaching staff that have been on the same page. And you don't always get that in every athletic program. So we've been watching Gonzaga a lot. Uh, I have not been watching Baylor as much. What <laughs> shot do you give Baylor at beating Gonzaga? 
You know, I'm like you. Uh, I, I've seen bits and pieces of them. Uh, I, I'll tell you the one thing they do have that I believe wins championships in, in the postseason is they got good guards. They got four or five of them. And, and so uh, I, I didn't know a lot about them. And uh, I've watched them maybe play. I haven't watched them play a full game. I, it just highlights and those kinds of things. But uh, Butler, Mitchell, Teague, those three guards are, are really, really good. And when Kelvin Sampson talks about their great guard play and dealing with the, you know, the pressure that, that Houston, I mean, they, they didn't seem to be bothered by it, the highlights that I saw and a little bit of the game that I watched. So I, I would say that anytime the strength of your team is guard play, uh, you've got a chance. And, and obviously the, these guys have been pretty good. So uh, to just drill, Houston couldn't, could not make a basket and, uh, they're not a great shooting team anyway going in. I think everybody kind of knew that. But when you look at what Scott Drew has done there um, over the years and taking over a program and building something pretty special, you got to, you know, your hats off to him. And, he, you know, between his dad and his brother, I mean, these are great people. Again, go back to really good people, really good cultures that have been established and developed. But, Again, with my limited understanding and knowledge of that team, I would just say that everything I've read and, and the few minutes that I've watched, that's the thing that stood out to me was they had great guard play, and uh, when you got the ball in the hands of good guards, anything can happen. Now, you know, will they match up with Timmy? This is a pretty strong physical team as well in Baylor, so uh, I'm sure they'll have a great game plan. I can't imagine this being a blowout, to be honest with you. I mean, i got to imagine that they've both been through a lot It'll be a kind of a grind-out game. But uh, the advantage, I think, goes to Gonzaga just because they, they've just had – they've got the inside-outside. And Timmy is – you're right, he can be a little obnoxious at times. But in, 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 a, in a way, I mean, it kind of reminds me of McKelly Wesley, coaching him you know, 20 years ago. You don't see a lot of players with their back to the basket doing the things these guys do. I mean, they, you just don't see many, much of it. You know, everything's perimeter-oriented. And I, and I watched – Timmy playing, and I thought, you know, that's why, why I love McKelly so much, is, is that he had the ability to score so many different ways and uh, get to the free throw line, and that, that was the, the big key. I mean, all the tugs did, and the block, and the one-handed half-court pass for a dunk, and, and the amazing three, they don't win that game without Timmy. I mean, he, he dominated inside. I want to talk to you about recruiting with Craig Smith. He's taken over, and he's going to look under every rock, and he's going to recruit nationally. And obviously, you've already discussed the international situation. But I wonder, you know, as as you look at programs and how they had success, when Majerus took over the youth program, he had connections in the Midwest. That's where he was from. And he brought some guys out to Utah, and almost all of them, didn't really pan out and they transferred because maybe a situation in the Midwest, you're not familiar with the culture that's dominant here in our city. And so then when he starts going to the West Coast, getting the local kids, getting the West Coast, whether it be Doliac in Portland and obviously Andre Miller, Brandon Jesse, Keith Van Horn, guys from California, then that re- that program really took off at another level. It sounds good to want to recruit nationally, but do you think it's in the best interest in, in terms of some schools, using Utah as an example, BYU also, to maybe not 
go nationally because you need guys to be able to live in your community and be happy there? And is it better to where they might be a little more regional? Do you buy anything that I'm saying there? Yeah, no, I understand. And I think initially it's really important. I mean, I've been in situations where you have to rebuild and uh, and you're constantly reconciling, you know, uh, short-term goals or with your long-term, really, what, what's your vision for the program? And and I think people realize that the, the cupboard's pretty empty. There are a lot of guys have left, and they, they got some work to do. I think the key thing is to be careful about uh, doing things too quickly. I mean, yeah, you got to have a competitive team, and you got to find the very best. I mean, we've talked about this on the show a lot, but the portal does give you an option that Rick Majerus Steve Cleveland and everybody else that ever had to build a program, you, you, it, it was hard to find a quick fix. The portal can do that, and the, the one thing that's nice about the portal is you've got so much data that before you know you 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 know what he looks like. There's tape on him at the collegiate level. You know you know what are being said by the people that are closest to him. So the portal is something that is there today that hasn't been there in the past that made it more difficult to rebuild. And because there is a tendency in there, in there to just go out and get the best player, and sometimes that doesn't work. And so you're right. I think you do find a little niche here and there, and you have to, you have, to have that. And, and, you know, coaches, he, he's recruited internationally. Uh, and it, it's not usually with international recruiting, you have to have relationships with, the, you know, those countries and with, with their – uh, their country's teams, their national teams, and the, the pro leagues and everything that's going on wherever you're recruiting internationally. I think Coach has some of those things already because the big fella inside. So I, I don't know all of his connections. But that, but the two things I would do, first of all, is look to the portal and look to what's happening internationally. And then be careful that you don't get in a hurry and make mistakes because you know in the past, that, that impacted APR. You hardly even hear or talk about APR anymore, you know, in, in terms of eligibility and those kind of things. But 15, 20 years ago when we were doing this, all of those things played in a, a major role. So uh, I agree with you. I, I do believe you need to find your niche and know who you are. And, hey, and, and you may not always get the best kid in Utah, but the, the thing about young people from Utah is there's great high school coaches there. Uh, there has been a lot of success with the Utah kids. And, and I don't think just because the program's down a little bit that you don't continue to recruit those and you develop relationships. Smith, Coach Smith's been in the, 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 the state for three years. I mean, he's got to know everyone. So he, and he's had great success getting to the tournament three times. So he is in a position, unlike someone else who comes in brand new and doesn't know anybody, he already has relationships. So internationally, relationships that you currently have, but I, I, I do like the niche idea. You, you need to know where you're successful, and, and I think that at Utah, they'll figure that out. It's, it, it's not going to happen instantly unless they just get a couple of big-time players out of the portal that change everything. Uh, but, you know, like I said before, I think we talked a week or two ago, the key thing is be smart, take your time, don't, don't get in a hurry and realize long, you're looking at the long term here. There may be some challenging times the first year or two, but ultimately to kind of rebuild this thing, it does take time. And if you're impatient, uh, you can pay for that in a lot of different ways. And, and I, don't, I don't see that happening, to be honest with you, but I've watched enough college 
basketball and I've watched enough programs and know enough coaches that when everybody tries to do it quickly, it usually doesn't work real well. So in the NBA, PK and I have had a little discussion going here, and we won't hold you to this. You might refine this uh, opinion over the next two or three weeks or whatever. But with three, four, five, six in flux, there's obviously seven good, very good teams in the West, assuming everybody's healthy and the Lakers aren't right now. But the Jazz sitting at one, who should they prefer in the four or five series for a potential second round series? And who would it be okay if they went up to two, three or down to six, seven and went to the other side of the bracket? You know, I, I, I was, I've, I've been looking at this thing and, and, you know, first of all, you look at the Jazz, and they, you know, obviously they've <clears throat> won nine games in a row. And uh, this week, they've got a couple of challenges this week. And and but you, you got to figure. I mean, they're, they're, I, I don't see there's any way that Utah doesn't win this thing. And so that being said, especially with the uh, the, the later April May schedule, and so when I when I look at the teams, who they match up with, who I'd want to play, uh, I mean, I, it's possible the Lakers could be a seven or an eight by then or maybe playing i mean i don't know when if these two guys don't come back uh i mean there, there's not much difference between the bottom and and uh in the middle of this thing so uh i don't i don't think you want to play the lakers if they get healthy again and all of a sudden they finish fifth and uh that 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 wouldn't be a great way to start uh i, I think for utah uh it, it's a situation that i think with with dallas memphis portland those are all teams that uh, probably are going to be six, seven, eight around there. The, the four and fives you're looking at, really, I, I don't think you want to play Denver again. <laughs> you know, I, I, would, I mean, Denver could finish fourth, and they could finish third. I mean, depending. Uh, I, I, I actually like Utah uh, playing the Clippers. I, 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 I wouldn't. I, I think they they match up and. They they've got good guard play, but uh, you know I, I don't know where Phoenix is going to finish. I, I I think I would I would rather personally play Phoenix if I'm Utah. I'd like to see Phoenix and maybe uh, Portland, you know, in that four or five spot if Portland continues. I mean, it just depends where the the Lakers end up. I mean, the Lakers. Let's just say the Lakers are nowhere near fourth or fifth. They're six, seven, eight. Those guys don't come back for two or three more weeks. I, I want to play Phoenix. Uh, I want to play Portland, and those two teams could slip into that four or five spot. I don't want to play Denver. Uh, I, I just think that they, they seem they've won five in a row. They seem to be getting their mojo back. They, they've added some pieces. Uh, but I, that's who I'd want to play. I, I, I'd want to play Phoenix. I'd want to play Portland, and they both have a chance there. Uh, I take that back what I said about the Clippers. I don't want to play the Clippers first round. Uh, I, I don't want to play them because – they're they're just too dangerous and and uh, so that that's my feelings. I don't think the Lakers are going to be a piece of it. I mean, that'd be terrible for the Jazz to have to play the Lakers, who finish fifth and get healthy, and all of a sudden that's a really 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 tough first round matchup. So those are my thoughts. I mean, if I was coaching, I'd rather play. I, I think Memphis probably finished the seventh or eighth. Dallas Dallas has won four or five in a row, so. Uh, I'd rather play Dallas too. I'd rather play Dallas. I'd rather play Portland. Rather play uh, uh, Phoenix, uh, just because the Clippers, Denver, and the Lakers have a lot of star power. They're well coached, and if they're all healthy, that's not who you want in a first round matchup. 
Start of the day, Steve. Dallas started nine and fourteen. They've gone eighteen and seven. They have definitely well, been figuring stuff out. Steve, yeah, they have. Yeah, we got to run. We appreciate it, Steve. Thanks for talking hoops thanks, with you, thanks, and we will guys. talk to you again next week. See ya. Bye bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, a solid dose of basketball every week with Steve.